What is going on, guys? Welcome back to the Whole Nine Draft Podcast. I am your host, Josh Berg. Joining me again, you know, he's going to become a regular on this show, if you uh, didn't know that. It's Alex Katzen. Oh, what? I'm a regular now? It's almost like you're my co-host. Am I? Officially, I think. I don't know. I feel like I've never done the intro, and therefore I'm not the co-host. Ooh, does Brandon do the intro for a... No, never. All right, so then there we go. (laughs) But, yeah, this is the... Hi guys, what's up? Yeah, and there, there, there. I was waiting for it. Um, this is the whole nine draft podcast. It's super late. We are going insane, but we've this got this whole nine draft podcast after dark. After dark. Oh, I think I'm gonna title it that. Um, mm. But hey, we're here. We've got a really fun episode for you. We've got a mock draft review of Mel Kiper Jr. What do you think? Did I sound like Trey Wingo at all? I didn't think I sounded anything like him, but it was worth a shot. No. No, you tried though. Hey, I appreciate that. A for effort, F for performance. Um, we have a scout report. How I feel about this mock draft? <laughs> Pretty much. Um, we have a scout report. We're going to talk about two players that we are lower on than uh, the community, and then we have a Los Angeles Chargers seven round mock. Alex's Hell favorite yeah. team, not his favorite mock. Um, but go charge, go baby. Hey, that's how it's going to go. But before we get into the episode. As always, plug on the social media. Go to Twitter. Follow me at JoshBerg0611. Uh, follow Alex on Twitter at AlexKatzen, Katzen with a K. And follow the podcast at WNDraftPod. Alex has an XFL review of week two up on Whole9Sports.com. Go ahead and check that out. I'm going to have a mock draft come out on Monday. Um, so go ahead and check that out whenever it does go live. Um, I've got some ideas turning about what I'm going to do. Two-rounder, lots of trades. And lots of analysis. It's going to be a fun one to write, and I hope you guys do like reading it. And then go over and uh, follow Whole Nine Sports on Twitter as well at Whole Nine Sports. Um, we do a bunch of interactive stuff over there as well. Um, and then on the draft pod, make sure you guys go ahead and vote on position spotlight. That'll be up within a day or two of you guys hearing this. So um, it's it's we've got a lot of stuff happening. Uh, the combine's coming up in a week, and it's it's draft season. So we're, we're ready to roll. Yeah, let's do it. Let's get right into it. Perfect. So, Scott's report. We both were sitting here talking. We pl- So, let me give you guys a quick timetable. We sat and planned, like, our next episodes for the next, like, three weeks. Um, yeah, it was, like, ten we, episodes. Before we started recording, we literally planned, like, s- like eight or nine episodes. It's, it's insane. Um, so, we've got a lot of cool stuff that we're going to do for you. Um, but we were kind of talking here, and we really haven't done, at least the two of us, done a scout report where we kind of talk about players that we don't necessarily like obviously i uh i talked about jordan love a couple weeks ago which he's a player that i'm not a fan of but we all can kind of see why his stock is high because of the traits these players we kind of have a hard time finding some positives for um as far as why their draft stock is as high as it is um for a lot of people so, Alex, you chose a edge-slash-linebacker hybrid from the Big Ten. I have him listed as a linebacker. I do, I too. I'll tell you why. Uh, his name is Zach Bond. He's from Wisconsin. And I have him listed as a linebacker because he told me and everyone else that went to his media day press conference in Mobile for the Senior Bowl that he doesn't think he's big enough to play 3-4 outside linebacker and be a pass rusher. He's 6'3", 240. The example that he used as a guy of like a prototypical 3-4 edge type player size was Zadarius Smith, who's 6'4", 6'5", 272. A little bit bigger. Um, <clears throat> a little bit bigger. You know, just a couple inches and like 30 pounds. Not a big deal. Um, so then you say, okay, Zach Bond's a linebacker. Where are you going to play him? Because he's not good enough in coverage to be a true middle linebacker in a 4-3 or a 3-4. Um, if you put him at outside linebacker, then you have to put him up against running backs, running routes, you know, running swinger routes and stuff. And his hips are a little bit too tight to stay with guys that are doing that. Uh, so what do you do with him? Um, my comp that I've heard floated around a lot for people that consider Zach Bond a linebacker is Joe Schobert. Um, obviously that's, you know, it's a little bit lazy. Wisconsin linebacker played quarterback in high school. But it is one that he embraced at Media Day uh, during the Senior Bowl. 
Joe Schober was a fourth rounder. We've seen Zach Bond as high as the first round in some of these mock drafts that we've looked at. Um, and I really just don't get it. If he's Joe Schobert, then he's a fourth rounder. Um, I don't, I'm not super sure where you're going to play him. He is a very smart player. You know, I think he's going to find his way to the ball no matter where you play him. It's just, I don't know where you put him. Right. And I think that's the reason why you and I kind of struggle on him. I'm kind of in the same boat with Bond. Um, I just don't know where he's going to translate to the NFL in the next, at the next level. Um, you know, like, like you kind of said at his media day, he doesn't feel like he's going to be an edge rusher in a 3-4. Um, but we watched him in coverage, and he wasn't overly special in coverage, too. Um, so what are you going to do with him? He seems like he's a very smart player, and he's a decent athlete. Um, so where are you going to play him? It's kind of weird for him to be a player of high IQ and decent athleticism to not be able to put it together in coverage. Um, so do you have him add on um, some weight to become a pass rusher? I don't think so because then he's going to be a 6'3", 265 pound edge rusher. And I just, I think he's just a weird translation. I think to me, I think yeah. I've got him in the mid seventies on my big board. Um, so right around, I think yeah, same. the third, I think is where yep. He should be taken, um, but I think he's going to go a lot higher than that, and I just I, I find a hard time struggling with it because, like you said, I have him listed as a linebacker as well, um, I believe. I could be wrong, but I, yeah. he's a linebacker for me, and uh, I just don't see him being the most productive linebacker at the next level. Yeah, I feel like you know you, he might get some sub-package work as like a rush linebacker, right, where you bring him in and you're like, okay, we're going to blitz on this play, and then he blitzes. That's because fair. he is a good pass rusher, but you can't play him on the outside because he's as undersized. a pass rusher because he's too undersized. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, so then you just have him as a sub package guy, and again, a guy that you can only play in sub packages is not a first rounder, and I don't think he's a second rounder either. So I don't, like I said, I don't really get it. Um, someone that you don't get, which I think is hilarious. I think it's very funny. I laugh every time that we talk about this guy. Because it's so funny to me, and I want him on the Vikings so bad, but it's not going to happen now because his brother's going to get traded, I guess. That's Trevon Diggs, the corner out of Alabama. Go off. You know, so I went into the process wanting to really like Trevon Diggs, and I did at first. Um, You know, I thought he was a guy that had high upside, really good in zone. He had the ability to be physical. And his brother, you know, Star receiver on the Vikings, uh, part of one of the better pass-catching duos in the NFL with Thielen. It would have been a great draft day story, Minnesota Vikings draft younger brother of star receiver, right? Uh, Fast forward to today, Stephon Diggs is apparently pissed off because he's not uh, the wide receiver one. uh, And also Kirk Cousins is bad. Well, that's fair too. But apparently I was looking on Twitter and Adam Thielen literally every day for the past like month has been tweeting good morning sunshine at Kirk Cousins 8 literally every day. So That's weird. I don't I, like that. I think it's I think it's really weird, but I think that that shows the relationship that Thielen and Cousins have had and that Diggs doesn't have with Cousins. But this is not a Vikings episode. Um I Tra- it's not. Trevon Diggs, uh Stefan Diggs younger brother right corner out of Bama. Um Really good zone coverage corner. I think he's good in zone because he doesn't have to have a whole lot of technique as far as um, flipping himself, using quick feet, um, because he can kind of more roam in a spot as opposed to stick with someone man-to-man. Because I don't think he's good at tracking the ball, um, especially when he is turned away from the line. Um, he can't turn his body to react the right way, which is kind of weird because I believe he was a former receiver, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yes, he was. So his the fact that his ball-tracking ability as a corner is not great kind of scares me for him being a former receiver. Um, and yeah, for sure. he is a horrible tackler, um, which is sad because you see the upside as far as its physicality in coverage, but for whatever reason, he can't put it together um, as far as open field tackling. Um, I feel like he's going to have some restrictions as far as you're not going to be able to play him in man and off-man coverage 
you're going to have to use him as a scheme-specific zone corner. And for someone that seems to be going in the top 40 of most mocks, I just I don't get it. Um, I've I published a report on him on HomelineSports.com a while ago, and I I really like I said the couple of games that I watched, I actually really liked it. Then you dive more into it, you get you know I've gotten a lot of feedback from other scouts as far as what I could be looking for in players, and I've gotten a lot better. Me being only 18 years old, I've learned a lot over the past couple of months. I went back and watched Trayvon Diggs. And I did not come away impressed at all. Um, I'm, I kind of want to text Brandon and have him take that report down, but it is what it is. Um, like I said, I just don't see the reasoning of him being a first-rounder top 40 pick. I see the upside, but I feel like it's a lot more work for him to do than the production that he was having in college. Yeah, I mean... For Diggs, obviously, former wide receiver. has only been playing corner for, I think, two years, I want to say. I believe he came into Alabama as a wide receiver. I think he did. Um, he was a high school You touched on how sure. his footwork is kind of weird. Alabama corners always have weird footwork, as um, has been my experience in watching them. Uh, it's something that my roommate actually keyed me in on, is Alabama corners are always kind of taught weird. Um, That's fair. Sometimes it translates to the NFL well, and sometimes it doesn't. That's why I think Alabama corners historically have been kind of hit or miss Marlon uh, once they get to the example. NFL. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, you know, I think Diggs is someone who's raw. Very. Um, and that's really all there is to say. And, you know, there's something to be said for taking guys based off traits. You know, this is something we talked about in the last episode with the Dolphins. Um, but the draft community tends to like taking players based off traits more than NFL teams do. And I think that's why we're seeing him kind of like the top 40 range. I have him at 64, so right on the edge of the second, third round. Um I still have to go back and finish my eval of him. Uh, I've watched a lot of Alabama in the last couple of days, so I'm kind of taking a break. Um, I'll probably get to digs after the combine because I've already watched two of watched Wills, watched Judy. Well, I'm watching Rugs tonight or tomorrow. Like it's it's a lot of Alabama. Lot I kind of want to watch guys. other college football every now and then. Um, but yeah, just someone who's very raw, um, going to be a project for sure. Which yeah, is why I think the Vikings might be. And- and Might be a good fit, honestly. That's... I think Zimmer Zimmer's gonna like it. You know, he has the length, he has the height, he is very long, um, and someone who Zimmer can coach up. And that's the kind of corner that Minnesota's shown that they like to take in this in the draft and under this regime. It's funny you bring that up because I was just about to bring up the same thing. That's what scares me. Is to me he is Trey Wayne's. Um, mm-hmm. I I feel like that's gonna be end up being. My pro comp is a very similar player to Trey Wayne's. He's a guy that's got athleticism, um, length, size, but he doesn't have the technique. And it Trey Wayne's wasn't really a good football player um, at corner and consistent player until this past season, um, where he, yep. you know, shown strides of being a number two corner. Um, you're drafting digs to try and fill in the shoes that Xavier Rhodes left, and I love Rhodes we're assuming gets cut and is coming off his two worst seasons as a corner. He was an all pro in 2017. So he was a legitimate shutdown corner for two, three years from 2015 to 2017. Yeah. Do you want Diggs to be that guy? I just, I, I, I don't like it. I don't at all. But like, like you said, high upside player, super raw. Um, Going to be interested to see where teams do have him on draft night for sure. Yeah. You mentioned things that you don't like at all, <laughs> which is how I'm going to segue to this next segment. Um, so now we're going to move into mock draft review. It is Mel Kuyper Jr.'s latest mock from ESPN.com. Um, I've made some jokes at his expense. I think draft Twitter as a whole tends to make jokes at Mel Kuyper's expense. Um, I do respect Mel Kuyper, though. He paved you know, he the has, way for us being able he's, to do yeah, what we do. Yeah, like... A, like that's exactly what I was going to say. He's opened the industry for all of us that do this. Um, he is the guy. Like, without Mel Kuyper, there is no draft player. And that's just the way that it is. 100%. That being said, um, this mock really isn't that bad. Uh, it's, it's just Now that weird. I look over it again. It's just kind of weird. Um, the pl- the so we are going to talk about, as always, uh, three, player, three picks that we love and three picks that we would change. Um, we always start with the positives here. Um, and I Except think one pick that <laughs> scouts report today. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just mean for this segment, of course, the rest of the podcast is a standalone thing for sure. 
this segment, we always start with the positives. And the first pick that we really liked was pick number eight. Um, that's the Arizona Cardinals. And that is Tristan Wirfs, the tackle out of Iowa. I have him as a tackle. You might think you think he might be a guard. I think he can play both. I think NFL teams will, and we'll talk about the fit with Arizona in a minute. I think a sure. lot of teams will try to do a Brandon Scherf with him and kick him inside the guard because Scherf was a tackle at Iowa. Um, yeah, kicked oh, inside yeah. the so guard. Yeah, was a tackle at Iowa. You want to kick him inside right. the guard? That's it. So I mean, I think he can play both, but. We were talking about this, and I mentioned it, and Arizona just signed DJ Humphreys to, you know, the, the contract extension. So now they, did. Um, they don't really need a left tackle. Um, you know, Werfs was a primary right tackle at uh, Iowa. We kind of touched on this in previous episodes, but got right. moved over to left tackle this past season due to Jackson being injured. Um, yep. So he played some left tackle. But Marcus Gilbert, who they brought in from Pittsburgh, I think I can't remember if it was a trade or free agency, but they brought him in. Agency. They brought him in to be a right tackle, and he was injured on and off this year. And then when he played, he looked inconsistent. So I think Arizona here, if they are going to go offensive line, would instantly draft him, and he'd be a plug and play right tackle for him, uh, no questions asked. Now, will they take an offensive lineman at 8 now that they signed Humphreys? We don't quite know. I think C.D. Lamb at 8 is now looking more like a possibility because they signed the Humphreys extension. But I think Werfs is a great plug-and-play either at right tackle or right guard. Um, I think you can play him pretty much at any of the guard spots or any of the tackle spots if you need to. But I think with the way the Cardinals roster is constructed— and you're taking Wirfs at eight, you're plugging him in and playing him and replacing Marcus Gilbert at right tackle, and I think it's a perfect fit. Yeah, so Gilbert was traded to the Cardinals okay. last offseason for a compensatory sixth-rounder. Um, <clears throat> and like you said, he looked inconsistent this year when he was healthy. Uh, he's also 32 years old. Yikes. So um, someone that the, the Cardinals could definitely be looking to replace. Obviously, you can't fault Mel too much here. Um DJ Humphrey signed this extension after this mock came out. Correct. You know, we're we're just now getting to reviewing out reviewing this mock. It, you know, it's Wednesday night. This episode's going to come out Friday morning. Um, but this mock came out on Monday, right? DJ Humphrey's extension Tuesday. So I don't fault them too much there. Like you said, though, I feel like Werfs is going to plug and play at right tackle, even if you don't necessarily. I feel like you can plug and play him at guard if you want to see if Marcus Gilbert can kind of like hold down the fort for, for another sure, year or 100%. two. And then, you know, once Marcus Gilbert's contract is up or he retires, you know, being 32 years old, you kind of kick Worf's back outside if you don't want to draft another tackle highly. Um, like you said, I think you could see Arizona going a different direction with this pick now that Humphreys has been extended. But I don't know. I still like this pick. I think that you – I'm a big believer in building from the offensive line outward. Um, and I think having already – with Kyler Murray already installed as your franchise quarterback – the number of sacks that he took is completely is unsustainable. You need to protect him better. And, you know, they liked what they saw from DJ Humphreys, and that's fine. Um, you know, personally, I thought he was a little bit up and down, but they, you know, they liked what they saw, and that's fine. Um, but I think Werfs, wherever you play him, like you said, he can play either guard, either tackle. I think that he helps out that offensive line much more than I think adding a receiver would help out that offense as a whole. Yeah, like you kind of said, I think um, an offensive line still need. We don't know how uh, Kingsbury right. and Kime will uh, prioritize offensive line, especially now with Humphreys being uh, extended. But I right. think it's a good fit nonetheless. Um, yeah, definitely. Another good fit, I think, is at 14. And like I said, we keep it on the positive. We'll do two more uh, picks that we love, then we'll go into the changes. Um, and that's Kalevon Chason, who uh, we talked about in the Miami Dolphins episode um, as a pick possibly for them in 18. He doesn't make it all the way there in this mock. Mel Kuyper has him going 14 to Tampa, and I really like this fit. Um, you know, you look at Tampa, they have, uh, I believe a lot of their guys on the edge are free agents. and the ones All that three of their leading Yeah, so their three sack leaders are free agents, and a lot of them are up there in age. Um, so bringing in a guy, I'm assuming they're going to, bring back Shaq Barrett after um, his season this year. I think that's almost I a guarantee. So. Um, if they don't, then that's just tough, tough uh, management there. Um, yep. How about you bring in someone opposite of him that has 
that type of production upside um, and traits if he can um, get a little bit better technique off the line of scrimmage. That's Kalevon Chason. Um, he's someone that we've seen become highly productive this past season um, from a pressure standpoint, from a production standpoint, and he's a super athletic, fast player that Tampa Bay, if they're not going to go quarterback at 14, just add talent on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, for sure. Um, Mel Kuyper does not like this quarterback class. Um, no. After Herbert at five, which is the third quarterback, which we'll talk about later, um, <laughs> there aren't any quarterbacks until 23. Which <clears throat> I find kind of funny um, um, that he doesn't like Jordan Love because I've seen some comps out there, and I don't, I don't agree with them, um, mm-hmm. that compare Love to Daniel Jones. And um, sure. Kuyper loved Daniel Jones last year, so I just find it kind of interesting. Yeah. I don't agree with those comps, but I think as far yeah. as – for sure. Opinions on draft Twitter. I think it's interesting that those two are kind of similar and Kuiper's on either side of those two respective quarterbacks. I will say, too, 23 is the only other quarterback taken, and it's not Jordan Love. It's Jake Leeson. No, it's Jake Leeson. So, Lamal. <laughs> Had to get anyway, the plug in there somewhere. Back to Chase on. Um, I really, I really, really, really like this fit. I think, like you said, they're going to bring back Shaq Barrett and. Uh, so then their other two free agents are Jason Pierre-Paul and Carl Nassib, right? Um, I feel like if you bring Jason Pierre-Paul back on like a short-term deal because he is getting up there in age, like you mentioned, you can have Chason learn under him for a year or two, right? And still kind of like have him rotate in uh, as a situational pass rusher. Because while Chason is, like, does do a lot of things very well, he still is raw. And we talked about this last episode. He's only 20 years old. Um, he's got some time. So, yeah, he's got some time. He's only going to get better. And I feel like having him learn from Jason Pierre-Paul for a year, if they bring him back, you know, like yes. even just on, like, on a one-year deal and then like have him leave after that because Chason has made so many strides. There's not many I feel guys like, I'd rather have him learn under. No, definitely not. Like in terms of veteran leadership that you have at that position – there's not very many guys I'd rather have than Jason Pierre-Paul teaching him how to be an NFL player. Um, so I love that fit. And I think Shaq Barrett, who I think is only like 26, 27, I want to say. You know, he's like, he's a young guy. Um, so him and Caleb on Chason for the next, you know, five years until Shaq Barrett kind of starts to age out. That's scary. For sure. And I just, I'm just thinking to myself, can you imagine Jason Pierre-Paul teaching Caleb on Chason and Pierre-Paul's one hand? Can you imagine what Chason could do with two? Yeah, that's I nuts. think it'd be, it'd be insane. But yeah, people forget yeah. how good Jason Pierre-Paul was with the Giants with Justin Tuck. I mean, he was yeah when incredible. he had two hands when he had two hands before he, you know blew yeah. one off. But yeah, it, it it's a great fit. Like I said, you uh, you touched on it. There's not many guys in the NFL I'd rather have him learn as far as a veteran presence. Um, you know, Watt, Everson Griffin, or two of the other guys that come to mind from a veteran Definitely. perspective, yeah. but. Yeah, for Pierre sure. Paul's been around a long time. He's won Super Bowls. Um, he's a he's a player that you want in your locker room. So I think Tampa Bay would be wise to bring him back because I think Chason would benefit tremendously from him. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another player that we think might benefit tremendously from a veteran Man, presence that's already there. Episode. Uh, yeah, wow, look at that. Uh, pick number 30, that's the Green Bay Packers. Uh, Mel Kuyper has him taking Justin Jefferson, the receiver out of LSU. And when we pick this one to talk about, uh, Josh threw out there that his pro comp for Justin Jefferson is Devontae Adams. So putting Justin Jefferson out there to learn from Devontae Adams and then giving Aaron Rodgers basically two Devontae Adamses out there running around on the field. I'm scared as a Vikings fan. Yeah, that seems Especially pretty good to with me. with no corners. <clears throat> yeah, and I mean, do the Vikings take a corner in this box? No, they take a safety. <laughs> Great. So, yeah, tough break for you. Um, yeah. I really like this fit. I do think, you know, there is something to be said for, like, maybe it's a little redundant because they do have Devontae Adams and they're very similar players. But like I said, I feel like the veteran leadership of Devontae Adams with a guy that plays a very similar style, I feel like outweighs that to me. Just because they need someone on the other side to do literally anything. Just, like, to breathe. Pretty much. For the Packers. Yeah, and I think, you know, Aaron Rodgers is is a QB that has made a career out of making something out of nothing. Um, yeah. 
So if you're going to have two carbon copies of a player on the field, Aaron Rodgers will find creative ways to get you the ball. Um, yeah, for sure. He will use you, um, you know, I think they're both really good route runners. They both are pretty good as far as a high catch radius. Um, they, like I said, they are literally the same player. Um, obviously, Adams a little bit better because he's been in the league a little bit. But um, Jefferson is a guy that's been caught on late due to his last couple games of the season. We've kind of touched on him a little bit before. Um is someone that when you go back and watch his film, you really do appreciate the entire uh, body of work that he had over the entire season. But if you, when you watch him, you know, college football playoff, he jumps off the screen. He is, he's something special. Um, and I think, like I said, as a Vikings fan, having two Devontae Adams on the field or two Devontae Adams-esque players on the field at the same time for a fan of a team that has no corners uh, currently other than Mike Hughes and Holton Hill on their roster, it's... Yep kind of scary um i think this is i think this is a great fit aaron Rodgers has been crying for weapons for years um and now he gets you know his wide receiver too yeah i think too like um jefferson's already very experienced of playing outside of structure for Uh, sure you know obviously with joe burrow as his quarterback at lsu and that's where aaron Rodgers thrives right you're talking about making something out of nothing like aaron Rodgers is at his best when he can kind of move around and just make plays behind the line of scrimmage and then just launch it like 30 yards downfield and all of a sudden you're like how did that guy get, get that open that's justin jefferson for lsu last year um so i love this pick i do too so now moving into some picks that we did not love um there's there's a lot of those in this one but we picked three of them that stood out the most to us. Um, and the first one is right at the top, pick number three. Um, yeah. That is Tua Tagovailoa to the Detroit Lions. Now, I understand what happened here, right? 100%. Detroit has put out information that they might trade Matthew Stafford and that they might take a quarterback. Personally, I think that's because they're trying to pump up the trade value of their own pick. Um but that's just me. You know, if you don't believe that, then that's fine. Secondly, um, based on some of the comments on the internet that I read about this mock draft, it was more about Mel Kuyper mocking the spot than the team, necessarily. Um, so, you know, obviously, the ESPN mocks don't have trades. Um, so if Mel Kuyper thinks two is going to go three, he has to give him to the Lions. Right. Even if he doesn't think he's going to go to the Lions at three. Right, which I think most of us think is going to happen. Two is going to go at three, but he's not going to go to the Lions. The problem is that's not clear in it's, the it's mock not. draft. It's that's not clear whether or not he thinks that. So we have to evaluate the pick as him giving Tua to the Lions directly. Correct. Which, which I think is bad, <laughs> uh, and I don't really have anything else to say about it. I think it's just bad. Well, yeah, um, I, uh, yeah, I. There's not too much to say. I will say Matthew Stafford, when healthy, is a top six or seven quarterback. He's just a, oh, absolutely. He's just a, I love a Matthew horrible Stafford. team on a horribly ran organization that has wasted the incredible talent. If Matthew Stafford, Matthew Stafford, if he would have had playoff appearances like a Philip Rivers, he'd be in the Hall of Fame, you know, discussion. Um, yeah, for sure. But he could have a Philip Rivers type career. He never wins a Super Bowl, but super productive stat wise, and gets his team to playoffs and wins yep. a couple playoff games. But yep. he's played for Detroit. I think he's been in the playoffs what one time and lost. I mean, it something like that. It it's sad what they've done to Matthew Stafford. But you yeah. know, as a an aside, Philip Rivers is a Hall of Famer. Yes. Continue. Um, yeah. As a as a Vikings fan, I am scared if this pick happens, um, because then I have to deal with Tua for the next ten to fifteen years, and that scares me. Yeah. Um, yep. I'd rather have him sure. go to the AFC and I beat him in the Super Bowl one year. But yep. again, story for another day. But, you know, like I said, I think it's – we've seen this in the past. Uh, the Niners did it to the Bears with Trubisky. Yep. Um, famously. Famously, yeah. Scammed them. Go, Scammed them out of their shoes. Go Chicago. Love you for that. Um, you know, and I think it's um, – I think Cleveland even did it with Darnold a little bit. Yeah, um, for sure. Before they took Baker. Um, they're just yep. trying to get a bunch of stuff out there. To see, yeah. you know, I thought I honestly thought the Cardinals were doing it with Kyler Murray last year. I thought so too, hundred percent. And I was very wrong. <laughs> uh, I was too, but it's okay. But I, like I said, if it's mocking the spot, yeah, I think he, Tua goes at three, but he's going to go to yeah, Miami, sure. and it's it's just not made clear. It's weird. I don't think Detroit's taking a quarterback. The GM even came out and said they like Matthew Stafford, 
whether it's yeah. he has to because Matthew Stafford is his current quarterback or if he actually believes it, we don't know. But I'm assuming he believes it because, again, when Matthew Stafford has stayed healthy, he's been incredibly productive. He's led fourth-quarter comeback, a fourth-quarter comeback that just gets blown by his defense um, on Hail Marys. But, hey, he, he's been a productive quarterback. Um, and like I said, if you look at strictly his numbers, he would be in the Hall of Fame discussion. But because he's in Detroit, yeah. he's not. The other thing to me about this pick, real quick, is just I don't know I don't understand why the Lions would do it because I feel like Bob Quinn and Matt Patricia are both fighting for their jobs this upcoming oh, season. Sure. So why would you trade Matthew Stafford and draft the quarterback of your future when you you might not be able to see that through, right? It, yeah. Um, I feel like you draft an impact player at three, whether that's Jeffrey Okuda, Derek Brown, Isaiah Simmons, whoever it is, and you try to make a run and you try to make the playoffs prove that you're the right people to lead this organization you don't try to restart this is a pick that you would make if you've already fired the gm and you've already fired the head coach but they haven't and they're not going to before the draft starts barring some unforeseen circumstances so i just don't get it well yeah 100 percent. i mean you, which is why i think the rumors that they might trade darius slay is just weird for me because i mean they did trade Quandre Diggs. Oh, well, to be fair maybe bob quinn does deserve to be fired but <clears throat> You know, again, I just don't understand unless you're trying to do like what Miami did and just trade all your players for picks and completely rebuild. But I think Detroit has got some good veteran players that still have got a couple years left where you can win with them. You've got Galladay and yeah, uh, Matthew Stafford, uh, on Johnson, some offensive pieces, uh, Trey Flowers on the defensive side, uh, Slay, obviously. They've got pieces. I, I think you need to go make an impact player, and I think Tua is a play for the future like you mentioned. Yeah. Another fit that we thought was a little strange – was it pick 21? That's the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles took a receiver. That's good. Just not a receiver that fits what they need necessarily. Yeah. Um, Mal Kuyper had him taking T. Higgins out of Clemson. And keep in mind, before you get too upset about this, Henry Ruggs was still on the board here. Henry <laughs> Ruggs went at 22 to Buffalo. And I don't know if he just got these two flipped or what happened. But T. Higgins is exactly what the Eagles already have. They already have Alshon Jeffrey, you know, whether or not he's going to be a cap casualty, get traded, whatever. They already have J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, who is kind of T. Higgins already, like just big guy, catches a lot of 50-50 balls. They need speed. T. Higgins is not a speed receiver. But, like, that's the only thing that the Eagles need in this receiving core. Yeah. Is speed. Anyone that can stretch the field. It's pretty much spot on i mean you saw what the offense was able to do when, when deshaun jackson was healthy wentz was able to sling it the offense was moving the ball um rugs chenault even like a jalen rager or yeah. even a justin jefferson um i think would be a much better fit here than higgins um i think i kind of understand why kuiper was going this way um maybe he's under the impression that aguilar is leaving jeffrey's gonna be leaving so they need to replace uh those guys potentially but like you kind of mentioned, they have J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Um, there's no reason to get two 50-50 ball catchers um, because then you're just running the same problem you did this past season where you can't stretch the field vertically, defenses will figure you out pretty quickly, and you fail to move the chains. And to me, I feel, like I said, I don't hate T. Higgins. I think he's he's in this discussion for, like, wide receiver Oh, no, this isn't a knock on T. Higgins six. at all as a No, player. it's just the fit's weird. Um and to me, you need a guy that's going to be much more explosive playmaker on the offensive side of the ball. And I think you've got Chenault, Ruggs, Rager, or even some guys in round two or round three that I think can do that for this offense a little bit better than T. Higgins can. Yeah, definitely. Um, this last one is a name that I don't know if you've seen this before, but I haven't seen this guy in the first round of any mock draft that I I've not. looked at this draft season. Um. Obviously, it is pick 27, which is the Seattle Seahawks. So if you're going to pick a guy that no one else has seen in the first round before, the Seahawks are a good place to do it. LJ Collier. But <clears throat> Yeah, LJ Collier. Um, but this pick was Justin Matabuke, the interior defensive lineman from Texas A&M. Um, I'm confused about this pick. <laughs> I don't understand anything about it. I don't understand why the Seahawks are taking an interior defensive lineman. I don't understand why they're taking Justin Matabuke over like a Ross Blacklock or like a Neville Gallimore. I don't understand why the Seahawks are making a pick in the first round. <laughs> I don't understand any of it. 
Yeah. Um, I think there are much bigger needs for the Seahawks team. You know, I think they need an edge rusher. Maybe Mel Kuyper's assuming they bring back Jadavion Clowney. Um, but even still, I don't think they really need a defensive tackle. They need an offensive lineman, you know, and obviously they've shown that they don't value offensive linemen highly in the draft, but like they, they need, need an offensive like lineman. Eventually they should take one yeah. just out of respect for Russell Wilson's well-being. Um, they, could, they could use another corner. They could use another safety maybe. Like I think there are more pressing needs than interior defensive line. And like I said, even if you are going to go interior defensive line here, why are you taking Matabuke and not Ross Blacklock, Neville Gallimore, a guy like that? Yeah, it's kind of like a situation we had with the Vikings uh, last week. It's like, okay, yeah, for sure. if you're going to take a defensive player, you took the wrong position. And if you're going to take the player at this position, you took the wrong player at the position. Um, yeah. Matt Buque, I think, is a guy that's going to be a mid to late round two, early round three type player. Um, and the Seahawks, you know, based off of uh, past drafts, take guys who have grades by most... Uh, media scouts in round two, three, four, and round one. You know, we saw it with Rashad Penny. You see it with LJ Collier. And I think Mel Kuyper, I think that's what his thought process was. It was, okay, Seattle likes to take these guys, and since I can't have them trade out of the first round because we don't do trades at ESPN, I'm just going to kind of make a guess, which, again, I understand, but sure, I just, the thought process Seattle goes through, whatever they go through to take these players, it's just weird for me. Matabuke to me, like I said, Good, solid player, um, but not a round one player. He's not top 27. Um, yeah. I think if a team were to take him in round one, like you mentioned, it would be Seattle just because that's what Seattle does. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. But, and I think that's what Kuiper was going for, but again, it's just it's weird for me. It, yeah. it, it just doesn't work. Yeah. It's your favorite um, time. Yeah, it is. It's, it's that time, y'all. Um, we're now moving into the seven-round mock series. We are at part six, which means that we are picking for the Los Angeles Chargers, also known as my favorite team. Um, this draft largely made me happy. I think the first pick makes me sad, but it's a necessary evil. It's going to happen. Get it's going to happen. Would it's going to happen. Have Jordan Love? I, <clears throat> no. Okay. Not really, but... Imagine that doesn't this. mean that I, I have to wanna, like it. I just want to throw this out to you real quick. Burrow goes one to Cincinnati. Sure. It's not smoke for Detroit, and they take two at three. Okay. Miami goes Herbert at five. Okay. Jordan Love goes to the no. Chargers at six. No. <laughs> I nope. might actually be looking for a new co-host if that were to happen because Alex would drop dead and jump off of I, out of his apartment. Listen. I live on the fourth floor of my apartment complex. Splat. I can and I, I have a balcony. I can and I will jump <laughs> Splat. if that happens. I but hate that. Luckily for us, we're not horrible people. We, again, this point of the series is to not only highlight some late round names that you guys um, might not know, but it's also to kind of build the most realistic and best draft possible for the respective teams. And we don't put our player biases, you know, into effect when we're doing these. Um, we look at team needs, we look at players available, and we look at what we think will happen. And as much as it pains Alex, quarterback's a need. Herbert's the yep. guy that's been linked to the Chargers at six, so that's where we yep. have him going. Yep, not much else to say. Um, Pretty much straightforward. Those of you that know me and have listened to the podcast before know that I don't like Justin Herbert. Um, I think that his footwork is weird. I think that he doesn't make a lot of reads because Oregon didn't ask him to. I think that he's not super great under pressure, which on this Chargers team is terrifying because our offensive line is garbage. Um, that said, he does have a strong arm. You know, he is pretty mobile for his size. He's pretty accurate normally. Um, doesn't miss a lot of short throws, intermediate throws, you know, a little bit worse. Deep throws, sometimes he's sails him but it's only when he looks like he's trying to throw him like 80 yards down the field um pretty good awareness of like when to take something off of it and try to like float one in there he showed that at the senior bowl he showed a really nice touch actually um my pro comp for him right now and again if you guys haven't listened to the podcast before my pro comps for quarterbacks are always a little out They're there weird. so just just uh you know, be aware of that. But my pro comp for Justin Herbert at this stage, I, I'm going to go back and rewatch him because we do have the senior bowl tape available. But it is Josh Freeman at this point. Um, 
do with that what you will obviously <laughs> i think i think that shows that i don't love justin herbert but i do think he's gonna end up being the pick at six obviously we've heard Philip Rivers is going to be moving on from the Chargers. There has been some buzz about Terod Taylor getting the opportunity to start. Um, I don't totally buy that. I think it's, you know, just something you have to say because you have the guy under contract. Easton Stick, fifth rounder last year. I don't think he's the guy for the future necessarily. You know, give him a little more time to develop. Might turn into like a high-tier backup once Terod Taylor leaves town. Um, But yeah, Herbert, I think... I don't want him to be the pick, but I think he is the pick at six. I just want to point out, as his co-host, um, as the uh, one of the guys responsible for bringing him on the show, I am not connected or responsible for any Josh Freeman pro comps. I Listen, Josh Freeman's a good man. I He was on the Vikings, played one Monday in the football game against the Giants, and was horrible. <clears throat> um, so that is my relationship and extent with josh freeman that was also the same year where we started joe webb christian ponder and donovan McNabb. so that was a good year for you not really um how old were you oh god i can't even remember i think that was that was the year post brett Favre, so 2011 so you were like six 2011 no i would have been yes yeah, so you were like six i was like nine all right fine all right, all right. i'm not 12 like everyone right. seems to think i am listen um, it's the same back to much. the mock yeah, so uh, Chargers, they have, they have all their own picks. Uh, there's no extra picks. There's no picks missing. It's we not Miami. One pick in each round. It's not Miami, thankfully. Uh, so pick pick number two is the second rounder. That's pick number 37. We went with Austin Jackson out of USC. Um, pretty easy rationale here. Um, the Chargers need a tackle. Austin Jackson plays offensive tackle. That's about it. Um yeah, he is a little bit raw, um, you know, not someone that I necessarily want to plug and play. I think they might have to on the right side, just because Sam Tevy is a turnstile, and there's really not any other option. Um, I hope Russell Okun is healthy enough to go for most of the year in 2020. Um, I do want Russell Okun to play left tackle for us this year. That said, I think you could have Russell Okun, who is an older player, play left tackle for the for, for the next couple of years. Have Austin Jackson kind of learn behind him, you know, maybe maybe bring him on, bring him along as a bench player, maybe put him at right tackle. Um, I know Josh, you think he's a right tackle in the NFL. I do. Um, so you know, either side, kind of fine with it. Um, a guy who's just like I said, just raw, gonna need some time to develop. If he starts right away, there might be a couple rough reps, but. That's the nature of the business. Yeah, and I think, you know, Jackson's someone that could be uh, like a, a, a Titus Howard or Caleb McGarry that kind of gets pushed into round one. Sneak into the first round. Because, yeah. you know, he's an offensive lineman, and a lot of NFL teams need offensive sure. linemen, especially um, with this interior class not being great. I think a lot of tackles are going to be pushed up the board early. Um, yeah. And he's someone that could uh, very well may not be here. You, you know, you can look at Jacksonville at 20 to be an option, um, New Orleans, Minnesota. Um, Seattle, maybe if they feel Russell Wilson has earned some sort of offensive line protection. But um, if he does fall around two, I think this is a great landing spot for him. Because like you mentioned, you can start him at right tackle, whether it's ideal or not. You need some sort of stability at the offensive line position um, pretty much everywhere. Um, so yeah. I think that you can plug and play him at right tackle. There might be some learning curves there. Um, but I think he is a right tackle. Um, in the NFL, and I think he'll do it very well. If you want to have him learn behind Okun for a couple years to eventually be, you know, the predecessor at left tackle, I think he could learn and be a decent left tackle, but I think if you want to maximize his potential and put him to his strengths, I think right tackle in the NFL is where he's going to translate best. And, uh, you know, I think it's... We we both went offensive line here. Austin Jackson wasn't available in my mock, so I didn't take him, um, but if he was, I would have taken him there. Yeah, definitely. Um, moving now to the third round, that's pick number 71. <clears throat> we went with a guy who I really like. I'm personally high on him. I like him uh, too. Some people are, some people are down on him after he had a rough national championship game. That's AJ Terrell, the cornerback out of Clemson. Um, in case you're not aware, because you're not a Chargers fan, which is fine. There's only like 12 of us. Um, the Maybe Chargers less. need an outside corner. Um, Desmond King is a really good slot corner. Casey Hayward's really good on one side. 
The other side, uh, the starter last year was Michael Davis. I'm sorry. Yeah, not great. Um, so, preferably, we would have someone else playing on the outside in 2020. I think AJ Terrell's a really good guy to do it. Um, I really like the way he plays in man coverage. I think he's very, you know, very physical at the point of attack. Kind of got him in trouble with the release of these of the LSU receivers. That's why you kind of saw him have a rough national championship game. And I think after that, everyone was kind of like, oh, man, I hate AJ Terrell. He sucks. But if you go back and you watch every other game from Clemson this year, AJ Terrell's a baller. Um, someone who I'm not even sure if he's going to be here at 71, honestly. No way. Um, yeah, probably not. But if he is, jump all over him. Um, yeah, I... he is a little bit grabby. Uh, probably will, you know, have have to uh, kind of trial by fire it, get called for a bunch of pass interference calls. Fans will hate him for the first year, and then like he'll kind of settle down, figure it out, uh, progress. Yeah, I, I think the LSU game gave him a bad rap, but I might. I mean, I was when I was talking with people, whether it was in Twitter exchanges or you know in person or whatever, I told him I said, "You do realize who he's playing against, right?" Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's just Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson. They're only, you know, Jamar Chase is probably And Terrace Marshall. Yeah, and Marshall is a guy that needs to be talked about more, too. Um, you know, Jamar Chase is going to be a top five player in next, in, uh, next year's class. and uh, Yeah, like overall. Yeah, not like overall. Top five receiver, not just position. Like top five like overall. overall. Um, and then, you know, <clears throat> Justin Jefferson is just a first-round guy that's been balling all uh, the past couple weeks. So, you know, it's not that... I don't want to say it's not that big of a deal, but if you look at the competition he's been facing, um, he's been locked down the majority of the year. Um, like I said, he's he's one of the better man coverage corners in this class, um, which I think if you can get that in round three, fantastic. Um, like you mentioned, there's going to be some growing pains. Um, gets a little physical at times, gets some grabby, will get some uh, calls, and I don't think he's a great tackler. He's a He's okay. He can get a little bit more yeah. physical, get uh, get a wrap up more consistently, um, and he's he's six one one ninety. I think he's he's got the length, but the frame's a little slender. So he's someone that uh, that might need to add on something, a couple pounds, so he can be more physical um, and be smart about it. Um, but like I said, in round three, I think this is tremendous value here at this spot at at a position yeah. in need. So. Hey, yeah, definitely. Go for it. I think uh, if you are an older Chargers fan and you remember Quentin Jammer, I um, remember Quentin Jammer. I'm not even an old yeah, Chargers fan. He's he's a little bit like Quentin Jammer. Um, Interesting. Not a great tackler. Gonna get called for pass interference every once in a while, but we'll make plays on the ball. He's gonna make. He's you know he's gonna come down with you know four or five interceptions a year probably just because he first. loves to bait quarterbacks into throwing those kinds of passes. Heard it here um, first. Pro not a pro comp, comp by any means, but <laughs> we're good at those. Yeah, not a pro comp. I still have to watch him and like really break it down, but just like kind of who he reminds me of trait wise. Moving on to round four, <clears throat> this is one of your favorite players in this draft, if I'm not mistaken. It is. <laughs> um, and I think we did this, we picked this spot on purpose um, so Alex could talk more about this guy. Um, Logan Stenberg. As Stenberg, if I haven't enough already. We, we've, it's like beating a dead horse. Him and Ben Bredesen just are a revolving door yeah. on fourth or fifth round draft picks at this point. But Logan Stenberg. Well, yeah, I mean, first of all, a lot of teams need offensive linemen. We, re- I really like Stenberg. You really like Bredesen. That's how they end up in so many of these mocks. Pretty much. That's just the way it happens. Um, I love Logan Stenberg. He's... Super, super powerful. I think he would probably step in and be our starting left guard. I think because Michael left. Schofield is is a right guard. You know, he'd probably be in a competition with you know, kind of like a three way competition between him and Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney. Dan Feeney hasn't really been great when he's played. Forrest Lamp has been injured for most of the time. Um, but Stenberg is someone who I I'm really high on. I don't if I was taking if i was doing a seven round mock draft if i was the gm of every single team logan stenberg would not be available in the fourth round whether or not that's true in the real thing i don't know Fair enough. um he's not very flexible like he plays pretty straight up um which he can do because his upper body is so so powerful where like he will literally just shove you places and there's nothing you can do about it um 
But because of that, he does kind of struggle to move laterally, you know, while still like kind of disguising what the play looks like. Um, when he does kind of pull on some plays, it's kind of obvious what's happening because there's this giant dude running across the side of the line. And you're like, oh, okay, cool. The play's coming this way. Um, so that is something he's going to have to work on, you know, kind of getting lower in his stance. Um, but just just a powerful guy. And I think for the Chargers, you know, Melvin Gordon's probably going to leave in free agency. That leaves you with Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. And those guys aren't really between the tackle runners, but I feel like if you take a guy like Stenberg and you with that much power that can just push people out of the way and open up big enough holes, then you can kind of scheme those guys into open inside the tackle runs. And I think that's why this pick is almost perfect. It's, I feel like we're beating a dead horse here when we take these interior offensive linemen around four and five and say, well, there's going to be plug and play at left or right guard. But that's because a lot right. of these guys really are. And Stenberg yeah. is one of the better ones to do so. Um, especially, like you mentioned, Eckler and Jackson, not the biggest guys. Um, they're not no, great in between not. the tackles. They're more used as uh, receiving backs um, and then guys that you get out in the space um, out wide. But if you get a big, powerful mauler, who can move to get guys out of the way, they can become mm-hmm. efficient um, in between the tackle uh, running backs. And also you're going to give your quarterback, whoever that is, um, some time as well because you're, again, helping out the offensive line. That They've addressed some picks on the interior in the past, like you mentioned, Lamp and Feeney, who have injury issues, consist- consistency issues um, across the board. But I think with interior offensive line, you just got to kind of keep taking shots until you hit one. I think Stenberg... I think he has the highest floor out of Feeney or Lamp as far as when he's coming into the NFL. Um, yeah, for sure. So I think that he's going to be an instant plug-and-play guy at the left side for them. Yeah. Um, moving now to the fifth round. Uh, this is I don't this know much about that, this guy. Yeah, this is a pick that I made because I like this guy. Um, small school guy. Shocker. Yeah. So, of course I do. Uh, that's Darrington Evans, the running back from Appalachian State. Um, he's someone that I really learned about when Dylan Sanders got credentialed to go to the New Orleans Bowl a couple months back. Um, App State was playing in that game, obviously. Dylan got the opportunity to talk to Darrington Evans a couple times. Um, the Chargers could afford to add a running back. You know, we were just talking about that kind of dynamic between Eckler and Justin Jackson. Uh, Melvin Gordon's probably going to leave as a free agent. Austin Eckler's technically a restricted free agent, but I feel like the Chargers might just slap a first-round tender on him, call it good. Um, but you know, adding another guy who can kind of step in, make plays for you, isn't bad. Uh, Justin Jackson obviously was a seventh rounder. He has performed pretty well in the, you know, in the oppor- with the opportunities that he's gotten. Um, you know, there was one game in 2018 where he, it was the Steelers game, and he just went off. He was nuts. Yeah, it was insane. I, remember, I, I, I had no idea what was happening. Yeah. Um, but Evans is someone who I think you could see kind of step into that Melvin Gordon role, kind of. Um, Another guy who kind of is probably best utilized, like, outside, you know, getting him the ball in space. Um, You know, so, like, a lot of outside zone runs, you know, some passes out of the backfield on some swing routes and stuff like that. But someone who can is still a legitimate threat to run between the tackles. That's not the best part of his game, but he can still do it. And we were just talking about, like, Eckler and Jackson, they don't really – that's not really their, their game either, right? And so having Evans as someone that's just just like a legitimate threat to do it, um, I think adds another dimension to that offense that's going to look a lot different next year. Um, and so that's why it's a pick that I really like. Yeah, like I said, we, we, when we were making these picks, we both picked uh, running backs um, were at different spots. So we kind of had to choose which one would be better value and better fit. And I think that... I've mentioned this before, and I'm going to keep mentioning it because I think it's super important for um, NFL teams. Having a committee seems to be the best way to go nowadays. It might suck for us that play fantasy football um, because that means we have to pick through which committees we want to have on our fantasy team, but having two, three running backs to rotate to give touches to, keep everyone fresh, keep everyone healthy, is the most important thing. So the Chargers losing Melvin Gordon as a part of that kind of like 
I don't want to call it a three-headed monster, but I really like Jackson, so I'm going to call it a three-headed yeah. monster. No, I, I like Jackson, yeah. Um, Kind of just being able to replace him with Evans, assuming Gordon is gone, you can still kind right. of use all three in different ways and uh, help the offense and the young quarterback. So, yeah, um, for sure. I think it's a good pick here. I made this Another next guy, one. yeah, I really like this one. I love this one. And it was kind of a It's another a guy who just kind of helps the offense. Yeah, kind um, of it was a shot in the dark. And we went yeah. with Lynn Bowden. Um, you can classify him as a quarterback. You can classify him as a running back. We have him listed as wide receiver because I think that's what he's going to be best used at in the NFL um, out of Kentucky. Yep. But he's someone you just want to get the ball to him, and he's going to make plays. Um, oh, yeah. We talk about playmakers um, in this draft a lot, um, guys that you know just get open space, make plays. But – Bowden is the ultimate offensive weapon in this draft. He can line up out wide. He can line up in the slot. You can put him in the wildcat. Um, you can use him in the screen game. He has strong, reliable hands um, where you can use him down the middle of the field. He is He's just fun to watch. Um, and he only caught 30 passes this past year. Because he kind of played some quarterback too, um, over the course of his yeah, career. Some. Um, yeah, right. He's someone that he's a lot of fun, and oh, I he's think, so much fun. And I think the Chargers is some is an offense that kind of needs a little bit of juice and uh, reviving. Just some some fun. <laughs> yeah, some fun because Rivers has kind of been just he he doesn't he didn't move he wasn't mobile there was not a lot of dynamic offensive play calling. I think sure. you just get Bowden the ball. It's it's oh, it's gonna be so much fun, and I feel like he's yeah. that word like six times. But he just is. You watch Kentucky film, and he immediately jumps off with his playmaking ability when he has the ball. Yeah. So now listen. Some quarterback. Just a little bit. Two things here. <laughs> First thing, um, one of the reasons why I really like this pick is because the Chargers are moving into a new stadium with the LA Rams. The Chargers are basically tenants in the stadium. Pretty the much. Rams are letting them play there. Stan Kroenke built the stadium for the Rams. I don't want to The Chargers are being Stan allowed Kroenke. to play there. Um, yeah, sorry. That's <laughs> all right. He, you know, so the Chargers need to sell tickets to their new games, right? That's why they need to draft a new face of the franchise. You know, well, get a new face of the franchise, whether that's through the draft or signing a free agent Teddy. like Teddy Bridgewater. You know, who knows? But also, they need to be fun because... The Rams' offense is fun. And listen, if Lynn Bowden is on the Chargers, I'm buying tickets to that. That's fun. Like, I'm buying tickets to go watch Lynn Bowden Jr. Um, Second thing, the reason why this pick works so well for the Chargers specifically is because they need a slot receiver. Um, Obviously, they have Keenan Allen. They have Mike Williams. Travis Benjamin is garbage. He's also a free (laughs) agent. He's not coming back. (laughs) Um... That means that we need someone to stretch the field as a slot receiver, um, but also be able to work underneath and make plays, you know, as an underneath receiver over the middle. And I think Lynn Bowden Jr. fits both those roles perfectly. Um, another guy that I really like as that same sort of mold type player is Devin DuVernay. Uh, we've talked about him a couple times during this series, which is why we aren't talking about him in this one. But another guy to like keep an eye on if you're a Chargers fan, I think that's a really good fit as well. Um I don't think Lynn Bowden's going to be in the sixth round. I think the, the upside for him is going to be yeah. incredible. Someone's going to take him round I don't think he's going to make it this far. Yeah. Um, but, but he's it's nice to dream. Yeah, he's he's undervalued um, in the media um, scouting community. But I think, like I said, NFL teams are just going to fall in love with the yeah. different Absolutely. ways you can use him. He can, he can honestly be like a similar role that Taysom Hill is for – the Saints. I'm not saying he's gonna. He doesn't have the same body type, but you can use him at quarterback, running yeah. back, wide receiver. Get him the ball, and he'll make plays. And I think, like I said, it's just gonna be yeah. a lot of fun. Kind of like an Antoine Randall. Is that yeah. before your time? How a, old are you? I I I'm, he was a uh, on the Washington when I first started watching football. Okay. So see, he's a Steelers player in my yeah. mind. Yeah. So he so he was. That's he where was, our age gap comes in. He was. He's kind of like Antoine Randall. I think I have his like Washington Redskins football card in my basement somewhere, but fire there there there's there's That's the sick. age difference right there. But I do right. me- I do remember him on the Steelers, but he's 
when I started watching football, he was with Washington with Santana Moss. So, okay, that's fun. Oh yeah, I said, I'm not. I'm no. I'm no scrub over here. Yeah, well, I mean, you're you're not a scrub. You're just a child. <laughs> I'm different. legally an adult. It's different. It's like the four. I'm looking for a new co-host um, <laughs> at Joshberg0611 on Twitter. Um, we have one more pick to make, we and do. it's another offensive lineman. It is. You guys need help. Yeah. We went with uh, Tremaine Ankrum out of Clemson, and we kind of were sitting here. He picked a receiver. I picked an offensive lineman. We kind of just sat there yes. and looked, and we were like, which position do they need more? And yep. it's it's offensive line. Um, you just need oh, yeah. again, guys that you can look at on on uh, on the field as far as you can, hey, have Ingram start a game at right tackle. See what happens. See what you have in him. Have him develop. Um, you need to find answers because you can't have Herbert or Tyrod or Teddy or whoever you're going to have quarterback take the beatings that Phillip did his last two, three seasons in the league. You are in Oh, for sure. In the Chargers uniform. Cause he's you might as well just concede every game at that but point. But it's, it's going to be a struggle, especially when we have him taking Herbert. Herbert, like we mentioned, struggles throwing under pressure. So get him some protection. I'm not saying Ankrum's going to be an all-pro because he's a seventh-round draft pick. But taking shots at the offensive line, throwing darts at the wall, uh, so to speak, and hoping that they, they land on something good, hey, maybe hit the bullseye. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And then at that point, like, so Ankrum does play right tackle. He was Clemson's right tackle this yeah. year. Um, you know, so you could argue, you know, oh, you're drafting two right tackles. Why do you need two right tackles? But like we've talked about, I think Austin Jackson could move over to the left side given enough, enough time, um, which means Ankrum could eventually play on the right side. You also have Trey Pipkin still last year's third rounder, um, who is very clearly a developmental guy. I mean, he went to Sioux Falls. Um, that was a weird pick for you guys last year. That was it weird. It was it was also a pick where, like, I love small school guys. Everyone knows this about me. Yes. I had no idea who Trey Pipkins was. <laughs> Yikes. That That's the point that I was at with that pick. I was confused. Um, but, so, I think at that point then, right, you have Austin Jackson, who's probably going to start at right tackle right away. Um, and then you have Trey Pipkins and you have Tremaine Ankrum as kind of developmental tackles on either side. And you can kind of see what you have. You can move. You can flip Austin Jackson to the left side. You can flip Ankrum to the left side. You can kind of see what you have. You have a lot of flexibility at that point. Um, yeah, for sure. You could probably even kick Ankrum inside a guard. I've seen some talk of that. Um, I don't necessarily know if that's something that the Chargers would do, just because, like, you know, if you take Stenberg in this mock, then there's kind of a logjam at guard, unless you want to move someone to center. No. Um, which, like. You could maybe move Dan Feeney to center. I'm saying it would be Feeney, but I, I, I still don't like that either. Yeah, so. yeah, I don't love it. Um, so, yeah, I think just, again, take a swing, developmental tackle, bring in, pull a Chicago Bears and just bring in, like, 12 offensive tackles Honestly, and have them just run, like, the same set and then pick the best one it's, and start that it. one. And for those that will say, well, you haven't taken two right tackles, yeah, but one's in the seventh round. Like you at yeah, at sure. that point, you're just looking for guys you can work with, guys that'll fill a roster spot or practice squad spot, and you can develop and see what you have in the guy. Like uh, Alex was talking about, Ankrum, someone that was a starting right tackle for, at Clemson for a couple years, so he's no scrub. He's a good player. Yeah, um, for sure. Also, it would allow us to cut Sam Tevy. That is true. Which is big for us. That is true. But again, giving the young offensive line you're gonna have a young group go ahead take a few swings see which ones hit um they don't all have to be you know slam dunk home run uh picks but in round seven if you can get a spot starter in ankrum i think at least me if it was my team i would be happy with it in round seven yeah so i like this draft yeah it was a good draft. i'm happy with it um they addressed a lot of needs um linebacker was something we never really got to um, we yeah, had a couple I will say though, I, I like the linebackers that are on the roster right now. That's They're all fair. pretty young. I mean, Thomas Davis is not, but he, you know, he's coming back for 2020, but I like tranquil. I like Kaiser white. I like, um, Jatavis Brown even, 
I like I like the guys that they have. So I'm comfortable with not taking a linebacker, maybe and, signing a depth guy in free agency. And I think that's the really the one position that uh, we didn't address that we had mocked. I mean, I mocked a mm-hmm. tight end, but Hunter Henry seems to be coming back, and if not, you're going to get a first-round pick for him, probably put a first-round tender on him. Um, yeah. So If Hunter Henry doesn't come back, I will cry. Seriously. Might have Gates come back for one more year. Let's do it. I'm down. So why not? But other than that, like I said, we, we addressed the needs that were immediate for the Chargers. I mean, this was a team that was in the playoffs just a year ago. They were top to bottom, one of the better rosters in the league. Obviously, Rivers' age caught up to him, injuries caught up to him, again, on the offensive line, and obviously with their best defensive playmaker. We'll see if you guys can make it back to the playoffs. Um, it'll be interesting. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, they're, I think, the biggest wild card as far as uh, the offseason because we don't know. Um, they're like the one team that is being mocked a quarterback pretty much like everywhere that could end up signing a free agent uh, quarterback that changes everything. Um, yep. Which we talked about in Hypothetical World. So if you missed that episode, go ahead and check that out. But that's going to do it for this episode. We're tired. It's 2.30 in the morning where I'm at. I have work Josh, tomorrow. Josh, it's 12.30. No, it's 2.30 where I'm at. 2.30. 1230. Well, you're you're over there at UW. So that's going to do it for Alaska. Then it'll be 1030. Right. Maybe I need to. Um, But that's going to do it for this episode. Um, Hope you guys did enjoy it. I know Alex and I had a lot of fun. This was a lot better recording than the first one we recorded. So that's yeah, that's always good. But follow me on Twitter at Joshberg0611. Like I said, currently looking for a new co-host and I do not support any Josh Freeman uh, QB comps. Go over and follow Alex on Twitter at Alex Katzen. He'll probably be looking for a new show to be hosting. So, hey, That's hit, true. hit him up. And uh, follow the pod at WNDraftPod on uh, Twitter. And then go over to HoleLineSports.com and follow HoleLineSports at HoleLineSports on Twitter. We've got a lot of cool stuff that we're going to be uh, doing next episode. Um, we've got we've got some stuff planned that I'm not really going to spill. But we've, it's going to be a lot of fun. Like I said, we've, got the combine, we've got the combine coming up. Um, we've got a couple more mock drafts. And it's 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 gonna be it's gonna be a great time. So prime draft season. I know I'm ready, kicking into high gear. I've got a mock draft coming out this coming week, so stay tuned on HoleLineSports.com for that. And until the next time, I'm Josh signing out for Alex and we will see you guys around. Good night. <laughs>